Can we all agree that it's been quite a week? Let's breathe together. Two and a half years of wrestling for the office of president, and it is uh, over. As Carol mentioned, and I've never been more compelled to not preach and just sing a song and leave than after Carol's uh, sermon. <laughs> and yet I'm still going to go on. <laughs> and, and... <laughs> yes. <laughs> As Carol mentioned, um, I know among us today there are some who supported one uh, political party and others who supported the other. And this means that there are a lot of emotions here uh, today. And so the fact that we can uh, come together is unique. Different political ideologies, different feelings about the state of the country, but we come here by choice together uh, to worship, and there's something really uh, special about that. We bring our differences, and yet in faith we've, we've come to be together as a family. It, it can be beautiful. And yet it, it seems that here uh, today, with this uh, diversity of belief and feeling, we need to acknowledge that there are those here today who are uh, hurting who are feeling sadness and a fear and disappointment and apprehension about the future, not just because of political ideology, but because things are causing fear. And I've talked to a lot of you this week about some of these fears, fears like the fear of continually, continuing racial uh, discord, a fear of the the cancer of uh, prejudice and race-based violence, a fear that America's original sin will not be fully acknowledged, and that the idea that all men are created equal may be a philosophical reality, but in practice, all people aren't treated equal. That fear is alive and well in our community of faith. I was last week at uh, a great gathering called Adventists for Social Justice down in Washington, D.C., where we uh, wrestled with some of these issues of racial injustice. And so there's fear. There's fear in our community today about racial discord. Uh, there are those among us uh, today who are uh, fear, fearful and, and sad about a gender inequality and the catastrophic impact this is having on half of the world's population. There are those who are worried that their little girls will grow up in a world where women continue to be treated as second-class citizens. You know, it was around 100 years ago, only around 100 years ago, when w women were first given the right to vote in this country. We're not that far off from that time. And so there's concern about gender inequality still today. Uh, there are those in our, our own community here today who are uh, fearful over their immigration status or the immigration status of someone that they love who came to this country with uh, hope 
for a better future and now are not sure what that future is. And there are those who are fearful about the dramatic income inequality that exists in this country and in this world, and who feel that while the promise of America is a promise for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that there isn't a clear path for many for, for that pursuit because of poverty. And so without further delving into the political ideologies, we don't need any more of that. Without talking about uh, Trump or Clinton, conservative or liberal, let's take a moment today to, on this Sabbath, to acknowledge the fear and the apprehension that's going on right here in this community, in this city, in this country, and quite frankly, in the world. And let's consider what God has to say about dealing with an environment of apprehension and fear. Will you pray with me? God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. Amen. What is apprehension and fear do to a person? What does it mean for a person, especially someone who is a follower of Jesus and believes that God is in control? How do we deal with a reality of a God who's supposed to be in control, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way? So we feel with, full of apprehension and sadness. Well, as I thought about that, I considered the words of uh, Jesus, maybe his most poignant words, and certainly his most famous sermon. It's found recorded in a supple, several places in the Gospels, but I'm reading here in Matthew chapter 5. He starts his sermon with these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here, Jesus articulates God's perspective for those who are disappointed and broken and full of apprehension and full of fear. According to him, those who are feeling down, for those who are, are, are sad about the state of the world, for those who are apprehensive about their future, God says, that these feelings help us to see his reality, the world as it really is. For the world is indeed a 
broken place, full of uh, broken human beings. And when we get too excited about the nature and the state of the world, and get too comfortable with it, get too satisfied with it, we lose connection with God's reality. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they see how the world really is. It's a broken place. It's a hurting place. God's heart is with those who are experiencing hard circumstances. In one sense, disappointment and discouragement are a vital part of the human experience because if we aren't experiencing that, we're in danger of missing the reality. It's like, it's like pain. When you experience pain in your, your, your body, you know that something's wrong, and so the, you go to the doctor. When we feel sadness and we feel fear and we feel disillusionment, we're seeing the world for what it really is, a place that's broken. We need that. If things are always good, if you're always comfortable, you miss out on the realities of a world that is hurting and in need. And the world is hurting and in need. You know, we get turned up about what's going on in here in the United States of America because we have an expectation of what sh this country should be and how it should operate. But you look around the world and there's so much pain and there's so much turmoil, political, environmental. Think of places like Haiti, which we're going to be raising money for in just a few weeks at our holiday benefit concert. The children of Haiti, a country that time after time after time after time seems to just have endless issues, hurricanes, earthquakes. Think about places like Syria, years of war and turmoil. Places like Aleppo that have been bombed almost to submission. Our experience of discouragement and sadness is designed to help us to be open to what's going on in other places when we're comfortable. When everything is going well, it's very easy to be very myopic about our life in the world. When discouragement and disappointment and sadness and maybe, maybe even fear and apprehension comes, our minds can be open not only to our own circumstance and situation of what's going on in the world. Oh, wait, wait, what's happening over here? I'm experiencing this. What about others? When we are broken in our own circumstances, it can help us to be awakened to the reality of the world at large. And the world is a mess. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul says this, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And doesn't it feel like the world is groaning right now? Groaning. Apprehension, fear, maybe sadness can lead us to have open eyes about what's happening with others. And then, when our eyes are open, God calls us to serve. When we experience disappointment, discouragement, and are faced with things that may make us fearful, God invites us to take action. 
I love the, the story about uh, the people that God had uh, chosen to be his communicators of his good news. The, the, the ancient Israelites. And so for hundreds of years, they, they were designed to be the communicator, but things weren't really going well in their relationship with each other and their relationship with God. And so God uh, decides that he is going to use a, a foreign power to come and help wake them up. And so the, 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 the great and feared nation of Babylon comes, as they had done with many other civilizations, and comes and, and takes siege of Jerusalem. And, they, and, and finally, they, they, they go in and capture the city, and they take the best and, and the brightest, all the university uh, students, and they take them off, and they march them on to, to Babylon. And so they're set up there in Babylon, along with many others who are, are exiled there. And the people are distraught, as you can imagine. I mean, their, their homeland has been destroyed, their, their, their temple, their center for worship is, is, is gone, and they're off in a foreign land just feeling very bummed out about things. God has a, a man that he's using to communicate with these uh, people, and his name is Jeremiah. And God communicates with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I have a message for you, for these people who are sad and discouraged and disillusioned and fearful about their future. And in verse 7 of chapter 29 of the book of Jeremiah, we read this. A message from God to people who are disillusioned. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have sent you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, I imagine when they read that the first time, they said, what, what did that say? Now, that can't be possible that it said that. Pray for this city. Pray for these terrible circumstances that we are in. We're disillusioned. We're disheartened. We're not sure what the future holds. And you're inviting us and asking us to pray for the prosperity of these circumstances? It didn't seem right. But this is how God works. When we're disillusioned, when we're fearful, when we're sad about the future, God says, look, get on board with what I'm doing. And sometimes that requires unusual measures. Seek the prosperity of the circumstance that you're in. One that doesn't seem positive, but I'm at work in this. It's kind of a hard message. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, God elaborates, elaborates on what it means to uh, be people in turmoil and despair and yet working on his behalf. It says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What, what, what kind of people do we become when we're disillusioned and disheartened and, and fearful and apprehensive about our future? God is clear. This is the time when you stand up and you act justly and you love mercy and you walk humbly before God. 
This is the time when followers of Jesus are to rally around even when you're not feeling great. And I know that's a hard message to, to hear because sometimes we want to feel the sadness and the heartache and the despair because of our fears. And yet God calls us to be servants even in those times. And so fear and apprehension and disillusionment can lead us to a recognition of the world as it really is, can kind of peel back the, the, the things that have been covering our eyes so that we can see what's really happening in the world. The world is a broken place. It's not just uh, here in our little piece of the pie. So our experience can help us to see. And then our experience is a call for action. That we should be people who are serving despite the circumstances around us, that we should be serving and that we should be acting justly and that we should be promoting mercy and that we should be walking with God, doing God things. But this still leads us with one final reality. None of us have the ultimate solution to the problems that the world face. If you thought that voting for the Democrats was going to solve the world's problem, if you thought voting for the Republicans was going to solve the world's problem or this country's problem, or you voted for somebody else, you're mistaken. The world is in desperate trouble, and, and, and the Democrats or the Republicans, Obama or Clinton or Trump, you, me, this community, the Red Cross, the UN, the nations of the world, UNICEF, ADRA. We're dealing with problems too big for any of them. Nobody's going to solve the ultimate problems that the world is in. And so what hope do we have? I mean, that's the big question, isn't it? What hope do we ultimately have? We've been studying, as Carol mentioned in her prayer, a Revelation, and uh, we had planned to talk about Revelation 19 and, and 20 today, but with the nature of things, it was the right move to not. But I want to go uh, back there as we close to answer that question, what hope ultimately do we have? In Revelation chapter 13, and we've talked about it in a few weeks before, uh, God's people are confronted by uh, powers, political powers, that are, 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 that are hindering them from, from, from doing the things and living in the places that they want to be and, and, and hurting them. And so there was fear and apprehension about what's going on because of these political powers. And so... Chapter 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 go on and on to describe the implications of these, these powers that are working against the world and peace and, and prosperity. But then in Revelation chapter 19, there's this great image. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, we read this, and this is uh, John, and he's now relaying this 
vision that he's been seeing. He writes it down. He says, I saw heaven standing open. So the, 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 the separation that, that exists where we can't usually see the, the, uh, the other reality is open for John. And he sees heaven standing open. And there before me, he says, was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him who no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in his blood, and his name is the Word of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Disillusionment, sadness, fear, apprehension for the future all can help us to have our eyes open to the nature and the state of the world in which we live in. We can then see beyond the circumstances that we live in. And so if you're experiencing a fear and apprehension today, it's my prayer that God can open your eyes to see that there are others hurting in this world. And I know that may not make you feel better, but maybe they can make us all sensitive to the hurt and pain that's happening around this world. And then may we be people of peace and justice and mercy that we can work toward solving some of the problems or at least helping But ultimately, things have gone too far, and there's nothing that you and I can do to bring ultimate resolution to things. And so we need the rider on the white horse to come, and he's promised that he, he will. And it may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow, but the promise is sure. He's coming, and he judges with justice. I mean, don't we want justice? If there's anything that we want in the world today, it's justice. He comes to judge with justice. And so today, we can live with ultimate a peace. It doesn't mean everything is right in your life, and it doesn't mean that all sadness or even apprehension is cleared up, but we can live with ultimate peace knowing that ultimately God is going to take care of things. And that the, the beasts in this world and that the beasts in our life are not gonna, they're not gonna exist forever. And so may our eyes be opened. May we be peacemakers where we can be. But today and tomorrow and the day after, may we grasp hold of the only one who can do the ultimate things that we will never do, the ultimate peacemaker who rides on a white horse and judges with justice. Let's pray. Oh God, we recognize again today all the feelings represented here. We know that there's a lot going on in each of our lives. And so we pray for your comfort.
and we pray for your peace. We pray for open eyes that we can see also those who are hurting around us and that we can act justly toward them. And we pray that you will keep us until that day when Jesus comes again to make all things new. In him we pray. Amen.